Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Ireland's classic hits. Let's go to Cork and talk to Sarah Horgan and see what's happening in some of the local stories. How are you, Sarah? I'm not too bad, thank you. So, um, look at some of these stories. A community activist has spoken on primetime in recent days about suffering at the hands of one of Cork's most infamous stalkers. Now, I know he did bring in stalking legislation uh, recently because I remember speaking to Una Ring, I think it was, who was also from Cork, from what I remember, going back a couple of years ago. Um, but, I mean, this is a very serious situation. Yeah, so... In many ways, 43-year-old Sonia Egan of the lawn, Liscara Killeen's in Cork, she was like the leading lady in her own self-made soap opera. Unfortunately, Laura O'Connell was one of the people who had the misfortune of meeting her and her life was changed forever as a result of it. So tragically, a a number of the people who entered Sonia's life, it was like they had these supporting roles forced on them through false, devastating, and in some cases, career-ending accusations. So you might say this is even a soap opera with high production values. Laura O'Connell, who fell victim to, as I said, to Sonia's unmerciful harassment and spoke to Miriam O'Callaghan on primetime last week, told of how during one of their early encounters in 2018, she met her for coffee in a bar and and uh, she, she was actually, Sonia was sporting barrister's robes, which would be like the equivalent of a GP eating out in a restaurant with the stethoscope around their neck. You, wow. you know there's right. something up. So um, Laura had met Sonia when she was taking part in a local activist issue. And this was when Sonia claimed she was a legal professional. It, it beggars belief when you think of how much time and energy must have gone into tasks like sourcing barristers' gowns, creating aliases, and contacting Tusla with complaints. So since that day that they met, Laura was plunged into a nightmare and found herself plagued by bizarre and devastating false rumours that alluded to everything from her running a paedophile ring, which of course was uh, <laughs> untrue, the reports of an endless stream of gentlemen callers to her door. Now, I spoke to Laura before and she was telling me that she just had to just batten down the hatches. She couldn't, her friends were getting on to her, asking her to go places and they eventually stopped because she couldn't go outside her door. And how do you explain to somebody that this is happening? And you know, and it's terrible. And it's terrible when when accusations like that, completely untrue accusations, are being made. Because unfortunately, the silly members in society who will come up with this idea, oh, there's no smoking and fire, which was completely untrue, obviously. But I mean, for somebody to make very serious accusations against somebody, it's just horrendous. I mean, because your your character is something that you have from the day you're born, and you protect it with all your might. Oh, it's it's all you have, and false complaints were also made to. As I said, but the most chilling detail Laura mentioned of her experience was when Gardy asked her to identify a photograph. So she looked at the photograph and she said, oh, yes, that's the social worker that came to my house. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, that person isn't a social worker. So it seems like Sonia um, was, was, wasn't acting on, on her own. And 
it, it, it's kind of frightening. It's like, it's like a when group effort. Yeah. In, 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 in Laura's situ- situation, because these people, they've, they've no shortage of followers, I, I noticed. But mm-hmm. imagine speaking to somebody after an incident like that, and you've no idea who you can trust. And I think, I think God, Laura must be one of the most uh, courageous people I've interviewed in a long time because she's the only one um, who waived her anonymity in, in court, in, 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 in court by one um, other male. So there was, there was recently, there was nine people in, in court who um, were, who were, who were affected and she received a, a, a jail sentence for that. And, mm. Laura actually came along to support uh, to 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 support them, and I think I think that's really that that's really strong of her, considering that there was a lot of people who turned against Laura, and she's still out there to help other people because she knows the devastation it's 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 caused. These are people, and they're they're they say that about sticks and stones break my bones but uh words won't hurt me but these words just that's resulted in the destruction of some people's lives i mean it was almost like she was some sort of walter mitty i mean living these so many lives to try and you know fool people and get more victims you know i mean it's incredible isn't it it's it's just untold damage and i think of there's so many people who are who who are so uh, uh, afraid of being associated with her, or that they'll be targeted? I was even nervous, <laughs> probably mentioning her name right now because you just you you never know. She was just so relentless. You just never know who she's. Who, you, you never knew who she was going to target, and the drama continues for for Sonia now, albeit in Limerick Prison, where she is currently on hunger strike. So when referencing the hunger strike in court, Judge Catherine Stain said that she refused to be manipulated by the actions of a woman capable of extreme manipulation. Wow. Um, wow. So, yeah, she's, she's, she's currently serving a, a three-year sentence with the third suspended for harassment of a man and a woman. And, um, yeah, more recently, she had had that other um, jail um, sentence. So a, psychologi- uh, a psychologist's report found her to have a borderline personality disorder where she was emotionally dysregulated, often oscillating between cheerfulness and hostility. And there's even one or two victims that say that they hope that she gets the support that she needs, which is very forgiving, really. It was something that I Laura suppose, mentioned yeah. to me. She said, I, I really hope that he does. This is somebody who's committed an awful crime and who 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 also needs help. And God knows, by the way, how many other yeah. victims are out there of her that just never came forward. You know, I mean, maybe some of the more minor stuff. But I mean, it does look like she was living separate lives, as you mentioned. She's a personality disorder. Maybe she was living separate lives and genuinely convinced herself that she was all these people that she was pretending to impersonate. That's incredible story. Yeah, that's that's. That's the thing, isn't it? With mm. with lies, you you wonder if uh, people get mm. so so wrapped up in the lies, they start lies. to believe yeah. their own lies. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it's incredible. There was there there was one there was one stage in court. I think that was the um, the first court case where she pled guilty, and then she went home and posted on Facebook 
that she only pled guilty for the sake of her children. So wow. it's, yeah, yeah, that's okay. that's determination. You think of that determination, and if it could have been channeled into something, but surely, like a novel, surely she should have known uh, that would have been brought back up in court again if she was posting on social media in relation to a particular case. Anyway, um, a shocking, shocking story, and thankfully we do have good legislation, robust legislation around stalking now. So please don't get involved in it or harassing people. Now, a Native American studying in UCC University College Cork is straightening Cork links with her tribe through opportunities both community uh, community feared uh, might never be possible. Um, so uh, th- I'm assuming her tribe in the United States, I'm assuming it's not in Europe or in Ireland. Yeah, so it would be the Choctaw Nation and there's a, there's a, a very definite, a strong link bet- between us with Cork and the Choctaw community in particular and I'll tell you why. So Skyly Lass from Verdon in Oklahoma She's preparing to head back to the U.S. after completing a master's in applied psychology in UCC with the help of a Choctaw Ireland scholarship. So the initiative was introduced to acknowledge the generosity and humanitarianism displayed by the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, who gifted funds to the Irish during famine times. So the donation arrived shortly after that infamous period of history known as the Trail of Tears, which saw ethnic cleansing result in the forced displacement of around 60,000 Native Americans in the southeastern United States in the 1800s. Um, So an Irish chaplain at the time had sent a letter about the struggles of the Irish people. It got around through word of mouth. They identified with the story and they recognised and identified that this, with this oppression that we experience. Now, I'm not sure how many letters that Irish chaplain had sent out. Or <laughs> Quite a lot, by the was, sounds of us, yeah. Yeah, he put it out to the universe. <laughs> and would you believe that they got back and they uh, they sent a sizable donation, and this was shortly after their own um, struggles. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say how much, but it was sizable nonetheless. So we've never forgotten that so much so that we have that um, scholarship in place. And there's also a monument in Middleton known as the Kindred Spirit Sculpture. And it now pays testament to that in- incredible gesture. So Skyly Glass, she said she had just the most incredible experience in, in Cork. She was raised by her father, who was a single parent, and he always had these really big dreams for her. Mm-hmm. So they learned about a lot about the different Choctaw beliefs. And um, she said, when you compare uh, ours to other cultures, um, the Choctaw culture would be very, very strong. So racism was very much a thing for her dad when he was a child and he experienced a lot of it growing up and he wanted better for his children. So, they, they feel she, she's really looking forward to graduating so she can take her dad to Cork and show him all the places find, she's uh, seen. And yeah, I find the, the Native American tribes and that whole culture extremely intriguing, to be honest with you. You know, I, maybe I'm basing it on the stereotypes that I see on television, uh, but I, I just find that the leaders of these tribes, they seem to be so wise 
in, in the things that they say and, and the way they do things. Okay, it's very, very different to the way a modern world works, but I just find it intriguing to, to listen to them and, and the knowledge that they have. Kind of very wise and common sense knowledge. Yeah, and very open-minded like ourselves. That was because I, I spoke to uh, two um, students from the Choctaw community and they, they both said that we have the same thing going for us where we say hello to people on the street that we don't know or we strike up a conversation. <laughs> it's, you, it's a very Irish thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. I, remember, yeah, yeah. I remember some time ago this woman was given out to me about people coming to Ireland from other countries and she said, they're not the same as us. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I was in the bank the other day and there was one of those fellas, I think he might have been from Africa. And I said hello to him and he just ignored me. And I said, but, but I said, maybe that's just a cultural thing. I said, you do realise it's quite unique that we say hello to complete strangers. I said, it's not something to do in every country in the world. You think you would have said hello to me anyway, wouldn't you? I go, yeah. So another story on a sadder note, and it's always sad to hear about children who are unwell. An 11-year-old Cork girl is set to undergo a very rare surgery and it's hoped it'll prolong her life. What's wrong with the poor little mite? Yeah, so this is... Uh... Uh, an article by Anne Murphy in the Irish Examiner. So Cork girl, Lexi, Lexi O'Reardon, she's only 11 and she's from Ballyvlan. So she's, she travelled to King's College Hospital in London last week to undergo a series of tests in an, in an assessment to establish if she will be able to go undergo a very rare surgery. So Lexi is currently the only person in Ireland known to have um, something called microvillus inclusion disease, MID. So it's a genetic disease that claimed the life of her sister, Holly, at the age of 13 months oh, back no. in 2005. Oh. So she died of liver failure before she could get a transplant. So MID is an extremely rare intestinal disorder that results in the intestinal wall not being properly or adequately developed. And it means that Lexi is fed through a line for 17 hours every day and she's currently doing well, but this treatment would, um, or this transplant would really prolong her life. So the, um, the, the family has been told that the transplant procedure could take between seven and nine hours with a three-month recovery in England um, afterwards. Um, so this will be for a small intestine and colon transplant. I've never heard of anybody having that before, but uh, mm -hmm. maybe that's maybe that's my own naivety. I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, I, I've so, never. I've never heard of it before either. So it's my naivety too. It's an incredible. Yeah, it's incredible yeah. what surgery they can do nowadays. It's just incredible. Uh, and to think that the the improvements this will make to her quality of life because it, it's hoped that Lexi will be able to eat normally following the transplant. So it's something she can't cur currently do. And her mum, Sylvia, says that she licks for fa for flavour, like, say, chilli heatwave Doritos and soy sauce and <laughs> oh, prawn no. crackers. And swallowing will be a huge thing after the operation. It's something she hasn't got to experience. And she'll be learning to, to eat at um, 11 mm -hmm. years old. Can you imagine getting to know all those... Um, those pleasures as, um, absolutely. at that age and, and thinking about what you've missed out on all those years. Well, that'd be great. It'll be absolutely great. And hopefully she, she pulls through and hopefully she gets her life prolonged 
uh, the way it should. Now, Echoes of Our Past by Richard Forrest in the Echo Details, a very disturbing story that made the news this time 100 years ago. Now, I love these old stories, particularly the one about the woman who was kidnapped to have her hair cut that you talked about two weeks ago. But I mean, so this is also 100 years ago. So, so what was this one about? Yeah, so we talk about crimes and how, oh, there's, there was never any crime back then, but it seems that back then you weren't even safe from your wife. I guess here, of course, but Sergeant You might not still be safe from her nowadays as well, to be honest with you. (laughs) No, that's true. So Sergeant James Conway of the 40th Infantry Battalion was accidentally shot at home on Clancy Street for Moy. That was the report from the Echo 100 years ago. So the deceased was lying on the bed prior to going on duty and his wife was making a tea for him. It's funny the way they say that tea in the newspaper back yeah. then. They make the tea for him. They're making the tea for him. You could really hear them speaking. Yeah. So she casually took up his revolver. She was just putting it away or tidying sure. everything off. Sure she was. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> which had, had, had previously been unloaded. And believing this to still be the case, she pulled a trigger and she shot him in the head. Wow. So what, what's even more tragic is they were married only three weeks and were said to be very happy. And the deceased was an, was an, um, was only 23 years old. And at the inquest, it was stated by a military officer that Sergeant Conway should not have had the revolver in his possession, but appeared, but it, it, it appeared he had captured it in y'all and retained it. And th- this is just a really a short article, but... I'm fine. I'm struggling how... here to find out how this happened by accident, by the way, in their naivety a hundred years ago, they've just written it off. But so she picked it up and then she thought, well, it's just not loaded anyway. So I'll point it at him and pull the trigger. I mean, really? I mean, if you found a gun in your house tomorrow, would you pick it up? And even even if you thought it wasn't loaded, would you point it at somebody and pull the trigger? Is it one of those things that they just... Um sweep under the carpet. Can I just let her away with it, like? Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing... uh, What's crazy about these articles, I've been comparing them to today's standards, and there's nothing about anybody in the community saying, oh, this is awful, Um, James was lovely. It's just basically, oh, he shouldn't have had a revolver in his possession. (laughs) It's his fault. (laughs) It's his own fault. These days, days we'll be dying to jump on the bandwagon and say, I know him and we loved him and this is Yeah, I should be all over social media. I know her. She's she's a first-class shot. She shot guns before that one. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, imagine if it... Shocking story, nonetheless, but... I find I, it just a bit yeah. suspect, to be honest with you. I, I wonder how her life played out after that. Yeah. Like, did she remarry? I'd love if did they she had ever admit, some kind of a follow-up. You know, 60 years later, did she ever turn around and say, just before she died, oh, by the way, I did actually shoot me husband. <laughs> he deserved it or something. I don't know. Afterwards, you could build a whole story out of, around it, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah good, yeah. Fill in the gap to yourself. But okay, anyway. and finally, West Cork residents are flogging a dead horse, or in this case, it seems, a dead dead cow with an issue that just can't, they can't seem to deal with. So what are they, flo- are they actually flogging a dead cow? So this dead cow has has been lying in the River Island near Skibreen since uh, at least April 13th. God bless they've, it. They've no, they've no idea where it came from. It was spotted on the state by a local out walking who said initially he thought it was a, a piece of large river foam so he looked closer and it was a dead cow. And after getting home, 
he asked his mother what to do about it and they called a farmer friend. However, the man told the Southern Star that nothing has happened since and the cow's rotting carcass is still in the river. So this is believed to be a, a major health and safety issue. Well, it is a health and safety issue, of course, if it's rotting in the water because the stream then goes into the groundwater, which in turn goes into the reservoirs. So it, well, it is a bit it's of a, a pretty hazard. hard thing to ignore, isn't it? Yeah, a large, large cow. Cow, and you wonder how it got there, but... Um, well, I'm sure he did. I'm sure it wasn't going for an afternoon dip. You know what I mean? It probably just fell in or tripped. I or know. I'd say it was. I'd say that's exactly what happened. There was going for yeah. <laughs> I think I'll go Mystery in and just. Solved. Yeah. I think I'm just going to have an old bath here. <laughs> that's it. So the the, the local... cows swim. I wonder. I wonder. Horses can. Um, I know horses can swim, but I don't know about cows. I've never seen a cow swimming or a pig swimming. Um, I, they seem to like. I don't know what about cows, uh, but they don't seem to have a tack of sense, do they? they no, I, no. I, don't know what... I know pigs are very clever, but I don't know about cows. I'm not too sure about it. Yeah. Your average yeah, cow. But... Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know where to go from he here. Sorry. He certainly, when he went into the river, he wasn't moving. So no, he wasn't. He wasn't moving. I would no, say it's move, better cow move, for you. Move, no, no, I get it. I get I it. I'm just saying. Sorry. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Moving. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. but, but the locals believe that all that's needed is for someone to throw a rope over it to drag it out of the river. Um, oh. and sure it's they, quite big, but I mean, it's probably, a, yeah, I mean, you'd need a few locals, wouldn't you? Oh, you, you would, yeah. I'm probably thinking in cartoon terms. That's like how it would happen in a cartoon. You just throw a rope around it and everything happens so easily. But I'm not going to be the one to get in the river and tie the rope around it while it's rotting in the river. I know, I know. That's the, someone has to do it, though. They've been on to the Environmental Protection Agency, and they said it was a matter for Cork County Council. Cork County Council and the part, and the Department of Agriculture had not responded at the time of um, the Southern Star going to print. So I, I wonder just just what they're going what they're going to do. Yeah. Like cows are so are so awkward, aren't they? <laughs> I'm worried about this. Cows are so awkward. What? They're large animals, aren't they? I suppose. They're they're largely. Yeah, these are the kind of things that keep me up at night. I'm sure they do. No, it doesn't keep me up at night. I I won't be thinking about this cow after the conversation we had today. I definitely won't be thinking about it actually after the conversation we had today. Apart from, I might be wondering how we got in there. Rightly so. Yeah, no, that's that's what that's what got me thinking. Yeah, <laughs> when it, when I read the article, you have an inquisitive mind, Sarah. You have an inquisitive mind, Sarah. Listen, lovely talking to you again. I love your okay, inquisitive thank mind. You. Thank you very much indeed, <laughs> and I appreciate you coming on the air tonight. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Nile Boylan show.